0: So you're joining us in a series. We've been talking about building from the bottom up. And last week, Paul shared about who we are. Our mission statement, if you like, that we are called to be a place of hope. He spoke about John chapter five, the pool of Bethesda, how Jesus went to the place where the most broken people the people in need of encounter went to. And that was a place of outpouring, a house of grace, a place where people went daily looking for healing. And they went there because they wanted to be in God's presence to receive healing. And last week, Paul asked the question, what is your dream? What is your dream for your own life? What is your dream for you? And what is your dream for us as a community on this bus as you like of of Carrick Vineyard if we're all on this bus together as we move forward? Where are we heading and what's your dream for that? What do you long to see God do in our lives and in our communities? We long to be a place of hope and as i look out this morning i know lots of your stories and i know that's part of your story that in coming here encountering god through this community you've found hope where perhaps it was diminished before in your life and that for me that's my passion and my joy to see healing and restoration in people's lives to see hope restored even in the face of difficult life circumstances and romans 15 13 says May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And last week at Life Group, Paul opened up by saying to our group, this group is about building from the bottom up because we're kind of going along with what we're doing in church. It's about exploring who we are and what we are contending for. And that phrase really grasped my attention what we are contending for so I thought who we are that's a place of hope I've got that but what are we contending for and I really believe that we're contending for his presence and I just thought I have to talk about this on Sunday I don't care what Paul's plan was I want to talk about contending for his presence the presence of the living God and this year in 2017 this has totally grabbed my heart right from the beginning in fact on the first sunday back and um, i don't know if you remember matt was speaking and i was praying just before church as we do and we actually prayed at the back because i was holding on to the climbing frame with my broken leg but and um, we were praying before church and i thought of these verses from exodus 33 then moses said to him if your presence does not go with us do not send us up from here how will anyone know that you're pleased with me and your people unless you go with us what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth and i didn't know but matt smiled at that point because he'd already had that to share in his talk that he, we don't want to go anywhere unless we have the presence of god so i really believe that's something that god is speaking to us about in our church in our community from the start of this year we don't want to go anywhere without his presence how are we different from anyone else if we don't have God's presence we need his presence so our values as a church can boil down to three things connection connection with God community and compassion and we took these from the greatest commandment that you can read about in Matthew 22 Jesus gave it to us He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is firstly a command to worship him, to worship him with all that we are and all that we have. And we see throughout the Old Testament, the people of Israel never stopped worshiping. The issue wasn't whether they were going to worship or not. The issue was who or what they were going to worship. If they didn't worship the Lord, they find something else to worship. And as humans, we're created to be worshipers. It's who we are. It's who God made us to be. And that's still an issue for us today. Who or what are we going to worship? So people find other things, other people to worship, even ourselves sometimes. These take the place of God. But our commandment is to worship him. So a question I have for all of us today is who or what do you worship? You know, maybe for some of us, we're really focused on our career or our job, our home, our possessions, our family, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our spouse, our kids, our sport, even church. And those things in themselves are not wrong at all. But if they're the thing we spend ourselves on completely, the thing that we put first above everything else, they can become an idol and take the place of God. Are we loving him with all our heart, soul and mind? as Jesus commanded us. A.W. Tozer said, true worship is to be so personally and so hopelessly in love with God that the idea of a transfer of affection never even remotely exists. You know, lots of us have been hopelessly in love with a person, but are we hopelessly in love with God? So we worship him because he commands us, but also we worship as a response it's a response to God's love for us. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. We express our love to God in worship because he loves us. You know, the whole Bible speaks of him pursuing you and me, your heart and my heart. He's the one who first loved us. He pursued us. We're the object of his affection. So worship is a simple response to the unconditional love of God. We can make that complicated, we can come up with all the definitions, but it will always come back to this truth, it's a response to God's unconditional love for us. And when we truly understand that reality, God is the one who initiates this love and communion with us, that changes us. We're not coming here today to take a box, we're not coming here to win his approval. God loves us before we do anything. And what we're doing here, worship creates an environment where we can let go of all that striving, with all that stuff that's shouting in our heads, and we can fall into the loving arms of the Father. You know, God's not looking at what we do, he's looking at our hearts, and it's the heart where worship begins and ends. And we, when we respond in that way, when we respond to God's love, we're putting God in his rightful place as the subject of our worship. And we also worship him because he is so worthy. Someone once described worship as worship, And I really like that. Worship is for the king of kings. He is our God. He is worthy. In Revelation 4, it says, You're worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And the amazing thing about this is it's like a cycle. As, as God reveals his love to us by his spirit, we respond to him with love. And that cycle goes on and on. You know, worship is interactive. It's a response. So that's why when you come here on a Sunday morning, you'll see people actively demonstrating their love for God, their worship. And maybe they'll close their eyes. We'll close our eyes because we want to focus completely on him. Maybe we'll lift our hands because we're receiving a gift that he wants to give us. Hopefully we're singing passionately because we're expressing love to someone, to God. Or maybe we want to kneel in thanks because we're bowing down before our king. God is our focus in worship. And these expressions and more are ways we can biblically respond to God's love. There's loads of this in the Psalms. You just have to read it. Psalm 134 lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the lord psalm 57 my heart O god is steadfast my heart is steadfast i will sing and make music and so many of the psalms start with the words for the director of music of david a psalm a song psalm 98 says shout for joy to the lord all the earth burst into jubilant song with music Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord. Even creation, even the mountains, the rivers are expressing worship to God. And Romans 12, verse one says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So worship involves our entire lives offered as a response to his great love. It's not just about Sunday. We've said that so many times. From the way we speak to our loved ones, to the way we handle our money, to how we love our neighbor, to how we do our jobs, love is an all-encompassing act. Our whole lives are lived in the presence of God. But when we do gather here on a Sunday morning, it's a time of encounter, it's a time of refreshing, it's a time of healing, it's a time of empowering in the presence of God. As we sing these simple songs, we're not just singing songs about him. We're singing songs to him and as as I've said, as we reveal our hearts to him, he reveals his heart to us. And that encounter can touch the deepest places of our hearts, where God's love can begin to change us from the inside out. We find courage to live and strength to face our greatest challenges. And I've probably said this to loads of you before, but I have so experienced this myself. Um, when I first went to England to Soul Survivor, it's kind of, it came from vineyard and Anglican. It's like a hybrid. I'm going to call it that. they will probably be raging. But um, it's a place where worship is so important. Worship is so central. And when I went there, I felt like I was coming home. I could just be in God's presence. I could cry on the floor if I wanted. I could raise my hands. But God met me there. God spoke to me. God revealed his heart to me. God showed his love to me. God set me free from things that had hurt me in the past. He brought healing. He inspired me. The reason why I'm standing here today is because I had that time in his presence. And he he gave me dreams of what could be for church, what could be for this community, for Northern Ireland, for Ireland, for our country. That's the reason, because in those times of encounter, in those times of worship, God revealed his heart to me as I opened my life up to him. So we believe that everything we do flows out of our love relationship with Jesus, and that is why we create this time and space in our worship. That's why we sing a few songs in a row. That's why, because we want to sing to God. We want to experience his presence. It's an intimate exchange. It's about relationship. And we need to set aside all of the stuff that gets in the way. We don't realize how close we can come. So this morning, I just wanted to ask you, what stops you from worshiping? Maybe some of us are afraid. We're afraid of intimacy. We're afraid of letting go. We're afraid of letting God into our lives. Maybe you're a Christian here today and you've been told by other people about the danger of getting swept up in emotional environments. Maybe you were led to believe in those moments that God wasn't present, that it was just you and your emotions. But God's the one He created us. He gave us our emotions. And um, We did a whole series on Emotionally Healthy Church, so if you want to listen to that and be convinced, if you need to be, just listen on the podcast. We talked about that so much. God, sh- Jesus himself and his word, we read about it in his life. He showed his emotions. Maybe you're a new Christian here or just thinking about faith. You don't know what to expect, but I really believe God's inviting you deeper. He wants you to know him more. He wants you to trust in him and take a step of faith. And as we sing these songs, you can say yes to him. Maybe you've been hurt in other relationships and you find it hard to trust anyone, even God. But as you take those steps towards him, he'll show you that he can be the restorer of your soul. He is the good shepherd. He is the loving unchanging God. He won't let you down. Maybe you think you aren't good enough to be in the presence of God. Psalm 51 says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart you, God, will not despise. That's all he wants. All he wants is you. Come as you are in your brokenness. With a repentant heart seeking his forgiveness. He's made a way for us to enter into his presence. To the holy of holies. And that's what the cross was all about. Hebrews 10 says. Therefore brothers and sisters. Since we have confidence. To enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way. Opened. For us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So, like I said earlier, Worship is a simple response to God's unconditional love, what Jesus did for us on the cross. So another question for you this morning, what are you expecting as we worship? What do you expect when you come along here to church or to this school hall on a Sunday morning? This series that we're talking about is who we are. We're talking about who we are. And in Vineyard, we have expectancy about worship. We expect to meet with God. We expect to be in his presence. We long for his presence. We pray and ask for his presence, for his Holy Spirit to come. That's how the Vineyard Church began years ago, with people gathering in someone's house with repentant hearts, wanting to know the Jesus they read about in the Bible personally, beginning by singing simple worship songs to him, and the Holy Spirit came. And at the Leaders' Conference this year, Harmony from Belfast City Vineyard was speaking about this, about kingdom expectancy in worship. And she said it takes great strength and resilience to keep expectancy over years, over decades, over a lifetime. It's a mission for a courageous people, a worship tribe, a people who persevere and will refuse to go anywhere unless the presence of God goes with them. She called it out over us, all vineyard family, worship tribe. Jesus is calling us to be those kind of people. He wants to increase our expectancy again, and we'll know it by his presence because we're a people of his presence. His song over us, if we can tune our ears to hear it, is of a fruitful vineyard. Are we postured for fruitfulness? Are we ready? Are we expecting more in our worship? John says to you, or Jesus says to us in John chapter 15, He who remains in me will bear much fruit. Remaining in him, abiding in him, having intimacy with him will fuel our expectancy and cause us to bear much fruit again. I loved what Harmony said, and I'm directly quoting her Intimacy, like vulnerability, is a place of great strength. In intimacy, we are truly present to God, and he is present to us. And our hearts are undone. It is raw. It is passionate. It is authentic. Intimacy is not easy. It is worth fighting for, however. I've shared loads with you this morning, but I want to ask you, what do you expect? What do you expect when you come? Do you expect to meet with Jesus? Do you expect to be in his presence? Because that's who we are, and that's what our hearts are longing for. Moses said to God, as I shared at the beginning, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. And at our life group on Wednesday night, someone said, they come to church to meet with God, so they know that he is with them in their lives that week. It's that encounter, it's that place of meeting with the living God and encouraging one another. And I want to finish with the next part of that scripture in Exodus 33. So Moses has said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. And this is what God replies. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. We're asking God, don't send us from here unless we have your presence. And God is willing to do that. And then Moses says to him, now show me your glory. And we're asking God this morning, show me your glory. Worship is passionate. Worship is intimate. Worship is vulnerable. And that might feel uncomfortable, but we just want to be in God's presence. We want to ask him to come and meet each one of us where we're at. Some of us are broken. Some of us are in a place we never thought we would be. Some of us need God more than we've ever needed him before. So I've deliberately done this because we're going to do what it says on the tin. We're going to worship. We're going to ask God to to reveal himself, to show us his presence as we sing songs to him. We're going to worship him because he first loved us. We're going to worship him because he's worthy. We're going to worship him because in his presence, we can express our love to him and he to us. Because in his presence, hope can be restored. We can receive healing. We can receive freedom. We can receive power. We can receive love. And things can change in our lives. So we're going to worship together now.